0: Gracious God, Lord, I pray that uh, your word fills our hearts and minds today. Uh, Lord, that your strength comes down upon us, that your presence is made so clear for us that we cling to the promises that you speak to sustain us, to make us stronger, and to give us purpose in life. This we ask in your precious Son's name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, or I guess a few months ago now, uh, back in June, I went to uh, my cousin's wedding uh, up in New York, and because it was in New York, I was able to drive there and gather with uh, the rest of my family, which included uh, my brother and his wife and their kids, Uh, so my niece, who was seven years old at the time, and my nephew, who was four— And if there's one thing uh, that you might already know, when it comes to weddings and receptions and things of that nature, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, you know, kids, they just need a little bit more than just the wedding and the reception. It's fun for kind of short amounts of times, but not for the whole duration. So they're always looking for a bit of a distraction or just to have some fun. And as you can maybe imagine, when I am not doing a wedding, I am the one who brings the fun. So, uh, while I was with them, one of the ways that I like to distract them and to kind of keep them occupied is to take selfies. And as you can see, we, we had a good one here. Uh, as you can imagine, I am the fun uncle, you know. So this is, uh, this is one of the things that we do. But uh, once kind of selfies, you know, run their course and all the filters have been used and things of that nature, they, they decided that they wanted to play a game. In fact, uh, one of their favorite games that they like to play when we are out and about. Now, uh, this wedding uh, and the reception took place at a beautiful uh, restaurant uh, on the shore in New York. And so uh, we were able to kind of look out at the patio area and go out there and then look across the water and see kind of northern New Jersey and the southern uh, New York City area. And off in the distance, we could also see the Statue of Liberty. And so there are lots of things to look at. And so that's why they wanted to play their favorite game, I Spy. I Spy. You know, the, the game that I spy with my little eye something, and they always like to pick a color of something, and so that makes it, well, sometimes easy, sometimes not so much. So we're sitting there kind of playing I spy, and this is kind of keeping them active, and uh, I was thinking about this recently because I realized that I spy is, while a very fun and entertaining game, it's actually a spin-off of a different game, and this was not actually a game. It started out as a book, and in this book, Uh, You were not looking for an object, but rather for a person. And this person was dressed in a very specific outfit. And every single page you had to comb through to try and find this person. And they were in the midst of hundreds or thousands of other objects and other people. And in fact, uh, all these characters, objects, all these things were miniature. In fact, I learned that uh, when this book first came out, they used to give the book out with magnifying glasses. So people could really look so closely for this person. You may already know what I'm talking about. The book, Where's Waldo? Right? And so I was thinking about Where's Waldo, but uh, not exactly because of the book itself, but rather the concept of the book as a whole. That when you think about uh, Where's Waldo, it's kind of speaking to our lives in a really unique kind of way. That uh, there is so much going on around us. And in the midst of it all, we're all searching for something, or in this case, someone and see i think uh, that kind of concept is actually something that is really unique in how it speaks to us this morning when jesus is speaking in the gospel of luke and so this morning i want you to join me on the search see we're going to spend time asking and answering the question where's jesus because physically speaking when Jesus is, is talking, he is in the midst of his disciples, right? He is right there with them. But they're standing in the middle of the temple, right? And when they're in the middle of the temple, they're looking up and they're just kind of taking it all in. They're looking at all the jewels that adorn the temple. They're standing in awe and wonder. And it's this beautiful thing. And then Jesus begins to teach. And he says to them, the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And so they start asking Jesus questions about, you know, how is this going to happen? What's going to happen? When's going to happen? And so Jesus continues to teach them. See, because it's not just that the temple is going to be destroyed, but that there's more to it. And he tells them, uh, don't let anyone confuse you, because there are going to be others who come and they say that they're the Messiah, and they're going to tell you that it's going to happen on this day, at this moment, in this hour. Right? We've kind of seen this in our lives over the years, right? If you're around for Y2K, you know, the, the world's going to end. What's going to happen, right? And then in 2012, a movie came out about how the world was going to end in 2012. There's a whole thing about that, right? So, so part of this is already kind of coming to life for us. But Jesus says, don't be distracted by those things. Don't panic, right? But, but there's more to come. See, when you hear of, of wars and insurrections, there's more to come these things must take place but the end will not come immediately and then he adds on to that he says nation will go to war against nation kingdom against kingdom there will be great earthquakes famines and plagues in many places there will be terrifying things and miraculous signs from heaven but before all of that occurs there will be a time of great persecution you, you the disciples, Jesus is saying, you, my disciples, you will be dragged into synagogues and prisons. You will stand before rulers and leaders, and you will stand trial because you are one of my followers. So the vision that Jesus shares here is a vision of of massive destruction and of violence. He starts out by talking about the temple that they're standing in and how not one stone will be connected to another. Wars, insurrections, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, terrifying plagues, all different kinds of signs. And before all of that, great persecution. Great persecution for anyone who says that they are a follower of Jesus. So where's Jesus? I kind of get the impression that maybe that's a question the disciples were asking too, that He said all these things, but where is He now? Right? I mean, could you imagine being there in the room, listening to Jesus as he says these things to you, that this is what's coming for you? I mean, it doesn't really sound like the message that we're used to hearing. It doesn't sound like this compelling message of following Jesus that's full of joy and hope. Right? If you're here with us for the first time this morning, come back next week. It'll get better, I promise, okay? But, but Jesus invites us into this, this really unique experience, this really unique vision, that he talks about his disciples, that what they're going to experience, and that it's still the same for me and for you today. See, and I think that's one of the things that makes this passage so scary, that Jesus is, is talking about our future too. Because we've seen some of the things that he talks about happening right now. Right? In the world in which we live around us, you can see what's going on in other parts of the world with one click of a button. It's like if you've ever looked at a page of a Where's Waldo book, the entire world, the whole landscape is laid out in front of you. There's so much to focus on, so much to see, you can't even take it all in at once. We watch as wars take on place and happen in the world around us, and as we perhaps are involved in them. We've seen insurrection in the midst of our own country and in countries around the world, we, we've witnessed earthquakes and plagues and famines going on uh, across the country, across the world, wherever it is, it, you've probably seen one, even in our own backyard, right? So in a unique way, all of these things are, are coming and happening right here and right now. It doesn't take much to look at the world around you and to see this, this destruction, this desolation, this, this brokenness in our world right here and right now, this violent vision that Jesus talks about this morning. But if that isn't frightening enough, Jesus then continues on. See, in the, in the second part of the passage, in verses 16 and 17, he says, Even those closest to you, your parents, your brothers, your relatives, your friends, even they will betray you, and some of them will kill you. And everyone will hate you because you are one of my followers. You know, sometimes uh, I think when we look at the world around us, it's kind of easy to, at the very least, create a line of separation. To see that maybe something's going on in the world, and it's a sign that the world is broken, but it's not directly impacting us. And it doesn't mean that we want it to happen, but at least we're grateful that perhaps it's not happening to us, that we're not going through that thing. And that's what makes Jesus's words here cut a little bit deeper. See, because now Jesus makes it personal. It's like Jesus takes a magnifying glass uh, to your life, to my life, and he says, your personal relationships. uh, The people that you are closest to, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, your friends, they will hate you. There will be division in your closest circles, and everyone will hate you because you follow me. So where's Jesus? Right, so I think it's not only hard to see Jesus here, it's also a lot easier to get stuck on everything else that he's talking about, to look around and to simply focus on all these other things that are happening. Uh, A professor of mine from seminary actually described it in a really interesting way. He said that when we talk about this part of the passage, it often captivates our attention. Uh, But the parts that captivate us are the parts that are filled with violence. And it's kind of an interesting sort of thing to, to think about it that way. But it's kind of like uh, when you drive by a car accident. Uh, maybe you're thankful that you weren't in one and you're praying for the people who are. But as you drive by, you can't help but look. Right? Or uh, when a video goes viral online, whether it's shared on the news or on your news apps, wherever you're looking. We've, we've certainly had this experience over the last few months now of the war in Ukraine. These videos are terrifying and and almost hard to watch, and yet that seems to not stop us. It's hard to turn away. For some reason, these kinds of violent images and visions are so powerful. And so when Jesus is speaking, he knows that as he talks about what is to come for the disciples, and for me and for you, that those are the things that we can get hyper-focused on, on everything else happening around us. But the thing is, Jesus isn't trying to terrify us. He's not trying to scare his disciples. In fact, what Jesus is doing here is speaking the truth. See, Jesus is being honest about what is to come. And this is kind of shocking for us. It it hits us in a different kind of way to to hear Jesus speak so clearly about all the things that are going to happen, about all the the pain and the destruction that's going to be in the world and and how personal relationships are going to be torn apart by division and hatred and all kinds of evil, right? This morning, Jesus doesn't mince his words for us. He tells us about how dark and broken the world is and is going to be, and it makes us look off into the future as if it's pretty depressing. But when you hear these words from Jesus, maybe you even find yourself feeling like the disciples did too, asking, wanting to know more, Maybe maybe you begin to wonder, is this what's happening now? Right? We've already confirmed that some of these things that Jesus describes are happening right here and right now. So what does that mean for us? How will we know when these things are really happening? How will we know when, when one of these events is a part of what Jesus is talking about? When will something happen to me? When will something happen to you? Right? How will I know? Uh, These questions, amongst so many others, may fill your heads as you hear Jesus speak, probably in the same way it did for the disciples. And yet there's only one question that we need the answer to that will tell us everything we need to know. Where's Jesus? See, when we have the answer to that question, not only do we begin to see Jesus, but we also begin to see what Jesus is doing for us. And in the midst of this story, in the midst of of his speaking here, Jesus is doing three powerful things. Jesus is giving us a purpose to pursue. He's giving us his strength to sustain us. And he's giving us his power to protect us. See, in the middle of, of all this talk of destruction and persecution... Right after Jesus says that we will stand trial before governors and rulers and leaders, he says these words. He says, this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Don't worry in advance about how you're going to answer the charges. I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to refute you or even reply. Jesus is right there in the middle of it all. See, uh, Jesus is is not causing it to happen, but he's never out of control. And Jesus is not stopping things from happening, but rather working in the midst of it. And in the middle of it all, as Jesus works, he gives us a purpose to pursue. That in the face of severe persecution, Jesus is saying, this is your time to tell everyone about me. To tell everyone that, that I am with you that I am watching over you, that I am protecting you, that I am fighting for you, and nothing will take you away from me, that I will fight for you even unto death. See, in the midst of a powerful vision of violence, Jesus speaks a more powerful word of his strength. And then Jesus shows us how he sustains us. See, because not only are we going to stand before the people and tell them about him, but he's going to give us the words. If you've ever been in a moment in your life when you, you just couldn't come up with the words or, or they just came to you, I feel like we've always had that moment before. Well, Jesus tells us that moment's going to come again. And all throughout scripture, we hear about how we need to be ready to defend our faith. And yet in the moment when we're going to really need to defend our faith, we're going to be standing face to face with persecution. Jesus said, I will give you the words. And my words are filled with power. These words are going to be so powerful that nothing that anyone else says against them will stand. These words, the words that I will give to you, have saving power. And that's not all. See, because then Jesus goes on. And it's not only in his words that his power is on display for us, but rather now in his actions. Because after Jesus tells us that our personal relationships are going to be filled with division, that there's going to be murder, and and they're going to hate us, that everyone will hate us for following Jesus, he says these words. He says, but not a hair on your head will perish. By your patient endurance, you will gain your souls. Jesus, again, is right in the middle of the hardship, right in the middle of the struggle. Jesus proclaims that even though you will suffer greatly, even though you will experience the brokenness of of the closest relationships in your life, not one hair on your head will perish. That though you will experience all kinds of suffering in this life, though you may even die, death will not reign forever. You will experience life after death and not a hair on your head will perish. Because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back to renew all things. That is the promise he makes here and now. See, when Jesus speaks, he invites us into a frightening vision of a future that once awaited his disciples and now is a future that awaits me and you. It can be so easy to be captivated by everything else that's going on around us in the midst of the scenes that Jesus describes But in the middle of it all, Jesus wants us to focus on him. He guides our attention back to what he is doing. Jesus doesn't want us to to turn away from the violence and act not as it's not there. And he doesn't want us to, to focus on it as if it's the only thing that's there. No, Jesus wants to look through the violence and to see him in the midst of it all. To see him reigning and always in control. To see him present in the midst of the brokenness of the world because he is holding it all together. It may not always be easy to see him, but there's not a place you can go or a place that you can look where Jesus will not be found. And I think it's fair to say that when we read passages like this one or even when we look at the world around you or even our own lives, there, there are times when it's really hard to see Jesus. And maybe you found yourself asking, where is he? Where's Jesus? Well, the answer is he's here and he's coming. See, Jesus is here with us right now. He's here with us as we praise him, as we sing glory to his name. He's here with us as we receive his body and blood in this very place. But at the same time with Jesus, he's always pointing us towards something more. He's always inviting us to look forward to what is still to come. At the end of this entire passage in Scripture, at the end of his teaching here, he sends sends his disciples off with these words. Verse 28, he says, When these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back again. Every single day, we are one step closer to redemption. One day closer to the day that Jesus comes back. So if you find yourself uh, looking at the world around you, or even in your own life, and wondering, where's Jesus? This morning, I invite you to hold on to the promise that he makes to you, that he is holding on to you. That Jesus is right where you are. He's in the midst of, of whatever messiness is going on in your life. He's in the midst of whatever messiness is going on in my life. That he is giving you purpose to pursue. He's giving you his power to sustain you. And that he is giving you his strength to protect you. And he's coming back. And that is a promise that we can hang on to because we are closer now than we ever have been before to his return. And when he returns, he will redeem all things, and he will make all things new, and we will be with him forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we continue in worship, I invite the congregation to stand.